0: Here is my problem with this particular attack on Russell Brand from the media. My problem is the timing.
1: Russell Brand
2: started this fight. You poke the bear. You
1: poke the bear, and now the bear is coming for you.
2: And I do know that he's taking some risks, and I do know when you start taking risks, there's a coordinated attack that follows. So who
3: knows, but Elon Musk has come out in support of Russell Brand. Jordan Peterson has come out in, in support of Russell Brand. Joe Rogan has come out in support of Russell Brand.
4: Welcome to Serving the Discourse. This is the show where we deep dive into the conversations happening right now and we try to figure out who's talking sense and who is talking nonsense. Now, today, the conversation that we're going to be surfing I'm Jack by the way, uh, the conversation that we're going to be surfing today is that surrounding Mr. Russell Brand. Russell Brand, the comedian, the entertainer, the spiritual guru, conspiracy theorist, he is in trouble at the moment. He's in some hot water. You've probably heard about this. It's been doing the rounds on social media and within the mainstream media. So there's several allegations that have been made against Russell Brand. And these have been documented in a, an article released by some British media companies. So they have been investigating this since 2019. So the, in particular, this was the Sunday Times, The Times and Channel 4 dispatches. So the article documents a range of accusations ranging from sexual impropriety and kind of misdemeanor, I don't know what you'd call it, all the way up to some very serious grave allegations of uh, criminal sexual misconduct. So in particular, there was a, a rape allegation. So very serious stuff. And I'm not here so much to litigate that issue, though I will give some opinions on what I think about it in the course of this analysis. But really what I'm here for is to give a bit of commentary on some of the commentary that's been happening concerning this whole scandal. So in particular, there's been a certain reaction on the right wing, and in particular, the kind of conspiratorial heterodox right wing, we might call it. They've all been kind of regurgitating the same arguments, the same talking points, And a lot of them are incredibly weak. And just the fact that they're all so quick to come out in defense of Russell Brand and to confidently proclaim what's actually going on, which is a coordinated, orchestrated attack by the mainstream media and by corrupt corporations, the machine, the matrix, whatever it is, the boogeyman. So they're all saying the same things. And it's kind of interesting. And I think... It'll be worth getting stuck into some of the things that are being said and to just observe the way that this kind of dynamic plays out on the right wing like this. Not to say this is an exclusive phenomenon of the right. There'll be similar things going on on the left. Anytime you have kind of partisan participation in conversation where people's opinions are addled by their political preconceptions, things start to go awry. Things start to get a little bit crazy one might say, but in particular, I think the right-wing conspiracy theorist types have some uniquely idiotic takes. And so we're just going to cover a few of those. Okay, so one question to ponder right off the bat is, why is it that all of these right-wing conspiratorial folks are weighing in on this particular topic? What is it about this topic that has attracted them all like moths to a flame? And I think the reason is that this story lends itself perfectly to two kind of lines of attack that they love to take. Uh, one is against the mainstream media and against whatever kind of boogeyman they imagine is behind the scenes, like running the show, orchestrating all this stuff. And the other is the left wing. So this is a, an issue that to them, smacks of left wing propaganda or something. This is like, they've still got Me Too, the Me Too movement kind of ringing in their ears and they view that i think as like a symptom of left-wing pathology so this is part and parcel with that and so it gives them an opportunity to come out and get all censorious about the situation and pander to their audience like the partisan hacks that they will be revealed to be in this episode okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna show my work. I'm not just uh, starting from that conclusion, though, you know, I've done plenty of things that have made me sort of tilt in the direction of being uncharitable in my analysis of them. But yeah, this is going to be yet another illustration of just how motivated the reasoning clearly and obviously and unmistakably is. Okay, so I'll start out by playing a few clips from some of them. So I'll start with Dave Rubin. Dave Rubin, for those who don't know, he is a right-wing, how would you say, what's the word, oaf, maybe, would be an apt descriptor. He's known to be a little bit silly at times. He is an ex-comedian, which kind of accounts for some of the silliness, although you know, his silliness is inadvertent. Um, you know, I don't want to be too mean, but <laughs> Dave Rubin is somebody that I think merits a bit of scorn. Uh, just, just if you've seen anything he does, he's, uh, he panders. He's been accused of being a right-wing grifter, and the term, I think, is not too far off the mark. Anyway, Dave Rubin, he's going to talk about how this is the work of, quote-unquote, The Machine.
3: Uh, And the machine is really going after him right now. We've talked about this for so long, the smoke screen and the confusion that the machine throws at everybody where they try to make it seem like the good guys are the bad guys and the bad guys are the good guys and everything else.
4: Um, We also have Steven Crowder, another right wing ex-comedian. And if you listen to him now, you can tell he strives to be funny. But uh, yeah, there's a reason why he gave up on that career, I think. You might also know him as the guy who does that YouTube show, Change My Mind. He's he's the one that, like, you can tell never had any intention of changing his mind in any of those. So he doesn't use the term machine or matrix. He he just refers to powerful people, at least in this clip. So here's this. I don't know that—I don't think Russell Brand is necessarily a conservative now, but I do
2: know that he's spoken out against a lot of powerful people. Yeah. And I do know that he's taken some risks. And I do know when you start taking risks— There's a coordinated attack that follows. This is a pattern that we have seen
4: quite a bit. Okay, so next we have the Tate brothers. That dynamic duo, those partners in crime, literally, they're they're currently embroiled in their own legal battle. They've been accused of human trafficking over in Romania, and the case against them seems pretty strong, notwithstanding everything they say to the contrary. But uh, yeah, watch this space, because... I wouldn't be surprised to see some uh, schadenfreude-inducing justice being served over there. But anyway, uh, the Tates refer to this whole phenomenon as the Matrix. And of course, they've come out in defense of Russell Brand because uh, they want to try to paint this with the same brush that they're painting their own case, namely that you know this is an unfair attack by the Matrix, by the, the state, the government, the media... That whole apparatus, the boogeyman, uh, so they've been attacked by the boogeyman because they had the audacity to call it out, to call it by its name. So here's a clip of them talking about this Russell Brand scandal as a Matrix attack. Him and
1: I agree on the fact that the world is controlled by a select elite. I call it the Matrix. He might call it something else, but we approach it from completely different sides.
4: All right, so next we have Ben Shapiro, who is uh, slightly more restrained, a little bit more restrained than the other guys. He, he refers to the phenomenon as just the media, right? It's just the media plotting behind all this. Although actually uh, we'll see that he's uh, a little bit flip-floppy at his views. He doesn't quite have them straight and he does uh, endorse the more flagrantly conspiratorial view. And all of these guys are in good company. Here's a clip of Alex Jones summarizing the view, capturing everybody's thoughts on this matter. The Matrix is
2: coming after Russell Brand. Anybody that challenges the globalists, anybody that challenges Big Pharma, anybody that's popular, that comes out against the establishment is going to be accused of assaulting women.
4: So it's super interesting that all of these folks are bandying around the same kind of half-baked claims the arguments that they make seem to have been sort of ricocheting around that whole sphere, the, the right wing and among kind of anti-establishment people. And they're all just kind of mindlessly regurgitating them, it seems. So I'm going to show several examples of this. But so many of the arguments that they're making are just like trivially wrong. The reasoning is incredibly weak. And so this is how you know it's just motivated. It's just partisan hackery. Um, they're all destined to arrive at the same conclusion. Ultimately, it's like a tractor beam sucking them all, like, witlessly into it. So let me give some examples. I'll start with a couple of the arguments that they're all making, and then I'll look into some of the kind of idiosyncratic uh, idiocies of uh, the likes of Dave Rubin and Ben Shapiro. So first up, the big conspiratorial idea that all of them have had or at least which, you know, has ping-ponged its way around all of them. They've passed, passed it from one to the other, um, and they've all grabbed at it enthusiastically, because to them it's just brilliant. Uh, and, and that idea is, why is this happening to Russell Brand now? Isn't that suspicious? You know, this happened 10 years ago. The latest allegation was 2013, so 10 years ago. Why is it happening now? Um, and isn't it suspicious that Russell Brand's just recently started to speak out against the mainstream media and against the, the boogeyman? I'm just going to call it the boogeyman because that's that's, that's what it is, right? It's just they're worrying about this like, nebulous collection of people, organizations, things. No, none of them are clear about it. It's just the boogeyman. Okay, so I'm just going to call it that. So what they're saying is, isn't it suspicious that Russell Brand has just been calling out the boogeyman and now, now they go after him? So this is just all too convenient. So here are some clips that speak to their opinions here. I'll start with Andrew Tate.
1: It's been a very long time. Why, when he was in the establishment, nobody came forward, nothing appeared. And I'll tell you why Russell Brand started this
4: fight. You poked the bear, you poked the bear and now the bear is coming for you. Okay. Very good. And now onto Steven Crowder saying the same thing, genuine question. And I bet you you'll, you'll probably
2: be split. If Russell Brand was still the same sort of sex freak that he was back then and still a liberal, an outspoken liberal, do you think that these attacks would come today? I would argue no, based on the information yeah. that we have.
4: And then we've got Ben Shapiro
0: echoing the thoughts as well. The real question I have here is why the sudden interest by the media in all these stories now, meaning all these stories have been floating around for 15 10 years, over a decade. And only now do they see fit to actually track down all the women who slept with Russell Brand and try to find some who will make allegations or who believe that that they were victims of rape or sexual assault from Russell Brand. And all I can imagine here is that Russell Brand crossed a particular political line that if he'd still been on the right side of the line, the media definitely would not have been going
4: after him. And finally, we've got Dave Rubin. The only one reason
3: that they're doing this with him, if Russell Brand was still the same Russell Brand of seven years ago, who was in a couple movies and doing some stand-up specials about whatever it might be, they'd never be going after.
4: Okay, so there's just a a couple of little teensy-tiny, like, major flaws with the argument here. So, number one, the fact that this is only surfacing now is not actually the unaccountable anomaly that they all seem to think it is. And the second is that Russell Brand was doing the same shit a decade ago. He was calling out the mainstream media a decade ago. Like, they could have done it between then and now. uh, So that point just falls flat. So I'll go into more detail on these two points. So to the first point, um, we have, like, so many examples of similar crimes and misdeeds perpetrated by famous people that took years to come out. Right? So think Harvey Weinstein. Think... Bill Cosby, I think Jimmy Savile, there's just a slew of these kind of cases where the crimes only come to light years after the fact, and it doesn't make sense to blame it on the boogeyman in those cases, usually because, you know, often they're part of the apparatus of the mainstream, and they're generally not politically outspoken, so perhaps it's just the case that these kind of things often just need a catalyst for the beans to start spilling, Right something to spark an initial investigation and for the, the victims of these crimes to begin to feel emboldened enough to start speaking out. So lone victims, kind of understandably, I think, are usually going to be disinclined to speak out against, particularly against a famous person because they know that their name is going to be dragged through the mud. Potentially, you know, they're going to be emblazoned all over the media and for something that they don't want to have to relive, right? You know, this This is an obvious point. Many people have said this. And so I think it's not a mystery why some victims don't come forward and don't publicize what happened to them. But when you have a kind of catalyst in which some women, some victims start to speak out, then there's this kind of snowball effect. They all start to feel emboldened enough to do the same. And so that's kind of what happens. Now, in the case of Russell Brand what would the catalyst have been? Fortunately, we don't actually have to look far. The lead reporter on this case tells us. So here's a clip from her telling us how the investigation started. I began
1: researching allegations against him after I became aware of rumors on the UK comedy circuit about his behavior. I was joined by my colleague, Charlotte Wace, who has extensively investigated Brand's behavior after he moved to Los Angeles in about 2010. One of his alleged victims was put in touch with Charlotte by an acquaintance of the woman. The acquaintance had heard we were investigating allegations
4: of abuse. Okay, so of course the conspiracy theorists are not going to be dissuaded by this. Of course, the mainstream media is going to have concocted its own story to account for why they're doing this now. But the point is that it's actually not unbelievable that this is happening now. There's perfectly good reasons why this could just be surfacing 10 years after the allegations actually came out. So they're all acting like this is proof positive that it must be a scheme, a plot by the mainstream media, but it just isn't that. Um, Now to the second moronic point in the argument, which is that... Russell Brand has only recently started questioning the media and the establishment. Like, that's just not true. But here's a clip of Dave Rubin telling us that this is the case. He's going to say that Brand is a newly hatched conspiracy theorist and questioner of the establishment. So here's this.
3: Now I want to throw to a video of Russell in 2019. So this is four years ago when he was just beginning to question some of the stuff that led him to becoming the Russell Brand that we now know
4: just beginning he was just a little hatchling little dissident back then he just isn't in his embryonic stages of developing into the fully fledged conspiracy monger that we know and love today four years ago it was all just just starting to get underway um the trouble with this of course is that it's not true so you can find clips of brand well before then um talking about the same stuff so here are some clips of brand being interviewed on a bbc show In 2014, so this is five years before Dave Rubin reckoned he was just beginning to question things. So listen to these.
0: Evan, are you seriously telling me that the corporate world, companies like M- Monsanto and Pfizer are operating on behalf of us, ordinary people. Yeah, I think it's fascinating, mate, that w- the way that the media works in conjunction with big business and with the government.
4: You say in the book about the Swiss, oh, the Swiss people. is the wrong way in a referendum. You say they've been manipulated. I
0: say that the media play a vital role right. in managing the outcome of referendums.
4: Uh, so the most recent allegations against Brand date back to 2013. And so that interview is one year after that in 2014. So you would think that's like perfect timing for the boogeyman to step in and shut him down because he'd been starting to speak out against them, him, whatever it is. But, you know, I can imagine a response. Oh, but he's he wasn't really calling them out consistently then, not like he is today. Uh, except no. That's not the case. Listen to this sign out from that same interview that uh, Russell gave. Thank that you. What's the truths, True through. news. News you can trust. That was him plugging his TV show. Well, his, his I don't know, internet show, I guess. The trues, the true news, which is literally founded on the idea that the mainstream doesn't tell the truth. So that's the entire premise of the show. He was clearly on this horse back then and, you know, so it's kind of unaccountable why if there is this apparatus that moves against these people who criticize it, speak out against it, why wasn't it going after him then? And in fact, in fact, what was going on was that all of these mainstream media companies were inviting Russell Brand onto their shows. They knew he was going to be dissing them in the kind of colorful manner that Russell Brand does. And they wanted him on because he brought ratings, presumably. So, you know, how, how exactly does that jibe with the idea that they they don't tolerate any dissidence or any criticism? All right, so another idea that is doing the rounds over on the right is that the article that documents all of the allegations against Russell Brand is biased because some of the women that the reporters reached out to had... Only positive things to say about Russell Brand, and yet they chose not to include these in the article. So here's, uh, we'll play a few clips from all of these guys making the same point. So we'll start with Ben Shapiro.
0: Now, there, there are certain women who obviously were not quoted. And again, it's not proof that somebody didn't commit a sexual assault or rape if he had consensual sex with another person, but it does go to character. There are women who are now coming out saying that they were contacted by the Sunday Telegraph, they, they, they were, or the Sunday Times rather, that they were contacted by Channel 4 and that they just were not covered because they didn't tell the story the media
4: wanted them to to, to tell. Okay, and here's Dave Rubin saying something similar.
3: By the way, he also addressed this. Uh, when they put this together, this this attack piece on him on what he's done, several girls then reached, put out public videos saying that they reached out to me, but because I said he treated me with respect and it was totally consensual and everything else, they decided not to include them in the articles. This is what they do.
4: And finally, the Tate brothers, the pinnacle of genius. Of course, they didn't miss this one either. Here they are spelling out the obvious duplicity of the media and in, uh, in not including the positive accounts of Brand. Listen to them explain exactly why this is a problem. You have spoken to hundreds of sources
1: and you have three or four women who are accusing him. That's fine. I would like to speak to the 196 women who said he's a nice guy. Remember this, this is what the media does. It lies by omission. By omitting part of the story, they can lie. They can take a very small part of the story and present it as the absolute truth because there's no counter to the story. They lie by omission. They omitted the 296, 396, 896, however many women who said they had a very nice interaction with Russell Brand. And that's important. I'm going to explain why to you. You can have the best restaurant on the planet. You can open a beautiful restaurant. And you can have 400 people come and you ask everybody, is the food good? You're telling me you couldn't find three who says the food sucks? Yeah. You could have mo- 95% of people say, this is the best food I ever had. But you'll always find someone who sits there and goes, oh, I didn't
4: like those tomatoes. They were too red. Okay. Can, can everyone see the, uh, the glaring problem with this argument? Um, <laughs> as, t- as Tate so eloquently points out. The media did fail to give a complete and balanced account of of Russell Brand's character and all his various relationships. And instead, they just used a a cherry-picked example to portray him as a monster. Right, and we all know cherry-picking's bad. You want to give the full picture. Um, Except in cases where the cherries literally are the story. If you can find a single cherry, you have a story. You've shown something alarming you've found cause potentially to vilify somebody just find one cherry and that's the story like of course you don't need to include accounts of everybody else that russell brand didn't sexually abuse like that's as absurd as saying you know as complaining about a story about a murderer or serial killer right and being like oh well they didn't include any stories from the people he didn't murder like it's fucking brainless honestly and Clearly, the only way you're going to fall for this is if you've already swallowed the pill. You already know the conclusion you want to arrive at. It's uh, it's just so dim. Anyway, moving on to another point that all of these characters are making. And this is an epistemic one, right? So they're very worried about the amount of evidence against Brand. They're very eager for us to set an incredibly high standard of evidence before we leap to any conclusions regarding his guilt or innocence. Um, which is kind of ironic that, you know, they're demanding these sort of standards. You know, spare a thought for the boogeyman. I don't think they, they, they give the boogeyman quite as much charity as that when they, you know, knee jerk, accuse him or it of uh, doing all these sinister acts. So there's kind of two points embedded in this. So one is that, you know, they they argue that there's very little evidence here, or in fact, no evidence to suggest that Russell Brand did anything wrong. It's just allegations. So that's one. And the other is to say, you know, we should uh, hold him innocent until he's proven guilty. And I'll go through these point by point. So to the first one, the idea that there's no solid evidence, nothing, there's not sufficient evidence for us to make any conclusions. So here's one of the Tate brothers... Talking about this. No criminal charges have been brought. The police aren't involved in this. And out, out of the
1: right? No investigation. There's going to be no conviction. There's no evidence. It's witness
4: testimony read out by actresses. And here is Steven Crowder echoing that point.
2: So in this case, we have all the accusers are anonymous. Okay. There have been no criminal charges. There have been no investigations thus far. Nothing has been substantiated at all. We haven't been provided. The
4: public has not been provided with anything that would show that this is actually real. And we'll also hear from Ben Shapiro in a moment, talking about the apparent paucity of evidence in this case. But let me just address this point about the lack of evidence. So the most serious allegation was a woman who alleges that Russell Brand forcibly raped her. And as it happens, she has text messages to show between her and Brand that occurred after the incident and the phone number was apparently confirmed by multiple sources to have belonged indeed to Russell Brand. So what was written, I'll just read uh, some of what is in this article. So Brand, in the aftermath of this, apparently, the, this alleged uh, rape, he'd said, I'm sorry, that was crazy and selfish. I hope you can forgive me. I know that you're a lovely person. And then I think the next day, you know, the, the woman didn't reply immediately She claims that she was up most of the night, unable to sleep, presumably. And so she replied eventually that you scared the shit out of me. Um, Do you know how scary you are when that glazed look comes over? When a girl says no, it means no. Do I have to go and get myself tested? And Brand replied that he was very sorry. And he wrote, you don't need to get tested. I'll make this up to you, blah, blah, blah. So this is not nothing, right? This is not nothing. In addition to that, The woman had gone to a rape treatment center and she has shared with the reporters who wrote this article that uh, a full copy of her treatment records which state that she provided her underwear and other samples as evidence which were frozen. Okay, so there is some concrete evidence and in addition to that, right, reporters have other ways of corroborating the accounts. Okay, so it's not just he said, she said necessarily. There is concrete evidence, like the text that I just showed, but here's the lead reporter of this investigation telling us some of the other ways that they corroborated the accounts, the allegations made.
1: To corroborate their accounts, we've spoken to family members and to friends, seen private emails and text messages, and viewed medical and therapists' notes.
4: OK, so the idea that there's no evidence and there's no way that a strong case can be built here is just bogus. So that's one component of their complaint concerning the epistemic standards that we ought to apply to this case. The other one is that they argue that we should, you know, apply the standard of innocent until proven guilty. So so here, for instance, is Brett Weinstein, heterodox uh, champion, and he tweeted the other day, I'll just read this verbatim, how about innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt in a court of law as determined by a jury of peers with a right to expert counsel to see evidence brought by the state to present exculpatory evidence and to cross-examine witnesses against him. And here is a clip of Ben Shapiro echoing this sentiment. And note note here, as you listen to this, that he, he suggests that it's just allegations with no evidence behind it, because this is going to be relevant later when we sort of dissect Ben's approach to this whole story.
0: Part of the problem with a situation in which you have unnamed women making allegations and these unnamed women are not making them criminally, is that there is no way to adjudicate the truth or falsity of the statements. Now the burden is supposed to be on Russell Brown to disprove that this thing happened, which is typically not the way that it works. Typically, you have to have a burden of proof that shows that the thing did happen.
4: Yeah, so we're going to revisit that clip later because it shows ben being myopic and kind of self-contradicting. So, uh, But for now, we'll just consider this idea of innocent until proven guilty, Okay, so, I mean, the first thing to point out is that this is not a legal setting. Obviously, we all want the innocent until proven guilty standard applied in a court of law, right? We don't want anyone innocent being convicted and punished. And I actually agree that, you know, when we're talking about reporters or the media releasing a story of this nature that they should apply a high epistemic standard, right? Because if this turns out not to be true, or it turns out to be sort of misleading, Marshall Brand has had his name dragged through the mud here, and this has potentially ruined his career. This is certainly not good for his image, for his brand, one might say. So yeah, they'd better be pretty confident that what they're claiming is the case. I, I, I totally agree with that. Should they apply the same standards that we expect in a court of law? I don't know. There's a trade-off here between, on the one hand, the kind of epistemic standards that you're applying to ensure that you don't slander anyone who hasn't done any wrong. But then on the other hand, you have the possibility of stories not being covered because you you weren't sure beyond the slightest shred of doubt. So there is this trade-off here, and it's up to journalists to figure out where they stand on that and I guess in this case the question is did they apply rigorous epistemic standards and I think that a good case can be made that they did indeed. Now on the other hand perhaps what is being called out here is the the reaction people sort of accepting this credulously this, this story against Russell Brand and yeah, I mean, there it's just up to the individual. Uh, they can apply whatever epistemic standards they have. And of course, one should be encouraged to bring high standards to anything, right? Any belief that you're thinking about adopting for yourself. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really get the sanctimony, like they're, they're acting all lofty and being like, you know, you've you got to hold hold him innocent until he's proven guilty. I'm personally going to apply my own epistemic standards to this and as a result sort of tentatively accept that there's something fishy going on there that, there. that it's not nothing. And so, yeah. And it's just so hypocritical. Like, of course they wouldn't be making this argument if it was like a left-wing character that was being thrown under the bus. All right, so one last argument to consider that they have all been making before I move on to dissecting a couple of these guys in more detail, namely uh, Ben Shapiro and Dave Rubin. So three of these characters have tried to argue that this attack on Brand not only is, uh, is it a result of the Boogeyman's machinations, but it's also part of a left-wing agenda. So I'm not sure how they square these two things. I don't know whether they really think in, in enough detail to enable them to square it. Uh, it's my suspicion that, you know, both of these are talking points which are catnip to their audience. Their audience just loves to hear this. Uh, they get very worked up about anything left-wing, anything uh, anti-establishment. And so they're not going to miss an opportunity to capitalize on both of these talking points here. So they do both. So here's Stephen Crowder on the matter. If Russell Brand
2: was still the same sort of sex freak that he was back then, and still a liberal,
4: an outspoken liberal,
2: do you think that these attacks would come? I would argue no, based on the information yeah. that we have.
4: It here's Ben Shapiro making the same
0: kind of point. Ten years later, when Russell has, he's, by the way, not a right-winger, when Russell has just decided that he is not in favor of a lot of sort of left-wing narratives ranging from COVID to, to wokeness, when that happens, suddenly you have a coordinated attack, a coordinated investigation between the Sunday Times and the, and the, tele, and the uh, Channel 4 News in Britain. I find the timing at least somewhat suspicious. When I say somewhat, I mean a lot suspicious. And
4: here's Dave Rubin, mega genius that he is, making the point in a more roundabout, more elaborate way. So listen to him setting it up.
3: Okay, so the other story of the last couple of days, and we're going to link all of this and bring it around to Russell at the end, uh, was uh, that Lauren Bober, she went to Beetlejuice, the musical, and someone squeezed her boob.
4: Okay, so Lauren Bobert is, I think, a right-wing politician, and she's been slandered in the left-wing media, apparently. And then Dave Rubin also brings up an example of a left-wing politician who did something similar, apparently, and the left-wing was far more, or the left-wing media was far more charitable. Okay, so there's a political bias among the media. I'm sure Dave would go on to bring up the bias that exists among the right wing media outlets too, right? Of course, he'd mention that. Uh, but anyway, so here he is ramming the point home now that he's trying to make.
3: You get the point, guys. People do these things and then they frame it. If you're a good guy and a Democrat and a lefty, you get framed one way and we'll give you the job back and everything else. If you're a Republican, we got to cancel you because you got your boob squeezed. If you're Russell Brand, now they're trying to also frame Russell Brand as some crazy right-wing maniac. Russell Brand.
4: Okay, so there you go. The attack on Russell Brand is simultaneously an agenda of the big boogeyman and it's an attack by the left wing. So yeah, that, that all makes perfect sense, right? Okay, so now I'm going to zoom in on a couple of these characters, in particular Ben Shapiro and Dave Rubin, to examine their uh, reasoning or lack thereof in in slightly more detail. So, first up, Ben Shapiro. Now, Ben so he he covered this recently in one of his episodes of uh, I don't know what's it called, Ben Shapiro show or something. So, he spends a good half an hour dissecting this situation and The case he makes is just so riddled with conflicting arguments. It's so self contradictory and all over the place that it's just embarrassingly obvious how he's reasoning towards a conclusion that, you know, he's already embraced. It's just so bad. So I'll walk through a number of examples of this. So, okay, so you might recall from one of the earlier clips that I played of Ben, uh, the one where he talks about the omission of, like, favorable character witnesses for brand. So there he kind of explicitly made the point that it would be relevant because it speaks to character. But then in the same segment of his show, he seems to have amnesia about this point. Listen to this clip. It's totally
0: fine in Hollywood up until the point it's not. As part of the changing standard here. Pretty amazing. Like, they all knew. I mean, if this was the bad behavior, why are they report- I have a question. Why is this news relevant? That he was a Lothario who was sending people into the crowd at BBC shows to pick up women. I'm just wondering, like, what about... Bill Clinton did the same thing, became president of the United States, and the media dismissed it. I'm just wondering why exactly this is relevant now. It would have been relevant then, but the problem is they're on the side of those values. They're on the side of those values, which is why they protected it then. If it was bad then, if it's bad now, it was bad then,
4: apparently. Why is it news relevant that Russell Brand was, had a reputation as a philanderer? Why is it relevant now? Uh, gee, I don't know, Ben. Uh, maybe because he's been credibly accused of rape and of grooming uh, and sexually abusing a 16-year-old, uh, among other sexual transgressions. Like, it's almost comical how trivial this is. You know, the relevance of this stuff now. And yet Ben pretends not to see it. So here's another clip of him doing something similar. So here he's going to talk about the 16-year-old girl. Or he's going to talk about the woman who alleges that when she was 16, she had a relationship with Russell Brand and that he apparently sort of groomed her and sexually abused her. So watch as Ben tries to dismiss this whole thing because technically she she's 16 and, and in the UK that is above the age of consent. So listen to his like incredulous tone. As he pretends to be mystified as to like why this is relevant, why this is being brought up. So at this time, Brand was
0: 30 and she was apparently 16. Okay, now in the United States, crime. In the UK, not crime. The age of consent in the UK is 16. And apparently Brand ascertained that she was 16 by asking her and checking. Which means scuzzy, scumbaggy behavior, sure.
4: Criminal behavior, no. No. It's strange too that he omits the allegation there uh, within that, that Russell Brand like forced oral sex on this girl and that he only stopped allegedly because she punched him in the stomach to get him off. Like I'm pretty sure that is a criminal offense, Ben. So like he's just so selective in what he talks about here. It's like painfully obvious what he's doing. So moving on, here's Ben contradicting himself again. So First, here he is. He's going to make the point that because these events happened so long ago, you can't adjudicate who did what. It's he said, she said. Russell has denied all of the allegations. And again,
0: in every situation, when you are talking about like a 10 year, 15, 20 year ago situation. It is a he said, she said. There's just no way to verify one way or the other, whether somebody is telling the truth or whether they are not absent some
4: sort of DNA evidence. Okay, so 10 years down the track, it's he said, she said, hard to get a conviction. And also you can't prove allegations when anything short of DNA evidence. So Ben's going to go on to kind of contradict both of those points. So first, here he is talking about how the text messages that I mentioned earlier might actually constitute good evidence. Through you scared the
0: bleep out of me on July 1st. I thought in any situation, I'd be strong enough to fight someone off. You completely broke me down. Okay, so that is by far the most serious allegation. All the other allegations that are, that are levered here are pure he said, she said with no real supporting evidence other than the allegation itself. The thing that, that I find non-credible about the entire situation is not that allegation, which, frankly, it sounds like she has supporting evidence, and we'll see what comes up.
4: Okay, so weird that he kind of selectively ignores this when he, he was making that earlier point. So now the last demonstration of Ben's flagrant bias and failure to reason coherently here, is with the several different explanations that he gives for why Russell is being attacked. So I'll play this clip again. We heard it earlier, but this is him saying that it has something to do with Brand being more uh, right-wing now. 10 years later, when Russell has, he's, by the way, not a right-winger, when Russell has
0: just decided that he is not in favor of a lot of sort of left-wing narratives ranging from COVID to to wokeness, when that happens, suddenly, suddenly, you have a coordinated attack, a coordinated investigation between the Sunday Times and the and the tele, and the uh, Channel Four News in Britain. I find the timing at least somewhat suspicious. When I say somewhat, I mean a lot suspicious.
4: Okay, so that's one explanation he gives. But then, right, he's going to go on here to insinuate that it's because Brand antagonized the boogeyman, essentially. So here's this: the thing that that I
0: find non credible about the entire situation is not that allegation, which frankly it sounds like she has supporting evidence, and we'll see what comes up. The thing that I find puzzling and bewildering is the media's decision to go whole hog on this story after spending years propping him up while he was engaged in the behavior and apparently everyone in town knew about it. Elon Musk, for his part, he uh, he put out a tweet after Russell Brand put out his statement saying, of course, they don't like the competition, meaning this is why the media are going after him. And he says, I support Russell Brand. That man is not evil. Tucker Carlson said the same thing. He said, criticize the drug companies, question the war in Ukraine, he can be pretty sure this is going to happen. Sure seems that way, Musk replied. Again, the, the media's decisions to go in a particular direction in cases like this, the pattern of who they go after and who they do not is pretty obvious to everyone.
4: All right, there's two explanations. He can't quite seem to make up his mind about the motives. Um, and here he is having a third crack at it. So this one, <laughs> this one somehow is even more of a reach than the other two.
0: And it turns out the greatest protection for both women and men is those sexual mores. And only when Russell Brand has re-embraced those are the media coming after him. Full scale. When he was engaged in transgression of those sexual mores, he was a hero to the world. The minute that he switches, all of a sudden the media are after him. Because this is one of the things the media love to do. Their favorite charge is hypocrisy. The the thing that they consider to be a crime in many cases, they don't actually consider to be a crime. So much of the behavior they discuss here, they're totally fine with. It is when the person advocates a different standard of morality, even now, you know, 10 years later, that they say, well, he's a hypocrite. Hypocrisy, you should recognize, is not actually an attack on the behavior. Hypocrisy is an attack on the standard, which presumably is why they're going after Russell Brand now as opposed to one who's actually engaged in the behavior.
4: There you go. It's hypocrisy. That's what it is. That's what they're going after. The media just cannot stand hypocrisy. It's utterly anathema to them. If you reveal yourself to be any kind of a hypocrite, the media is going to come for you. They're going to go for the the jugular. Yeah, uh, I don't even, what is he going on about? Like, just so incoherent. Everything that he argued in that whole 30-minute segment is just like all over the place. He's contradicting himself. It's painfully obvious how partisan he is. What a hack he is. Like, Okay, usually I would to be more charitable to people and I know I'm speaking quite like stridently and there's some like acrimony creeping into my voice here, but I just have no time for that. Like it's just so obvious how much how partisan he is and there's like no redeeming. There's no redemption for the likes of Ben Shapiro and Dave Rubin. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to happily bash these characters because they deserve it. Like they bring it on themselves and they do the same thing, right? Of course, anyone on the left that they deem to be making silly arguments, they are going to go for the throat. So yeah, let, let's grant them the same courtesy. Okay, so we'll wrap Ben up there and move on to Dave Rubin. I actually, I've only got really one more clip to play of Dave. Just recall some of the the hot takes that he has given us earlier. So we already saw his little slip up where he confidently stated that Brand had only just started, you know, criticizing this the system four years ago. But the reality is it's, it's been going on a lot longer than that. And we already saw Dave lamenting the fact that the report didn't include favorable accounts of Brand from the other woman. So that was another silly little point. But the next point that he makes that I'm gonna show might just be the pinnacle of stupidity. And here it is.
3: Every every single one of us, me, every single one of you watching this, everyone regrets an an affair they had, this, that, the other thing, you know what I mean? Like everyone made mistakes in their life. Everyone was too promiscuous. Everyone drank too much or smoked too much or did whatever God knows what they did, right? And if you want to destroy everybody for their past, then no one will ever have a future. It is as simple as that. Now,
4: yeah, what's what's a few fallacies between friends? Hey, eh? we've we've all been there. We've all engaged in a bit of light criminal sexual abuse. Come on, Dave, Bill Cosby. Yeah, why go after Bill Cosby for a couple of? It's just a couple of indiscretions in his past. But we've all been there, you know. Let's let's give the guy a break. How are we going to move on if we just keep relitigating the past? Hey Dave, good God, what a numbskull, what a bonehead. That is just next level stupidity from the guy. Dave Rubin, everybody. Um, okay, so start to wrap up now. This was a shorter episode and it was, I sort of departed somewhat from the normal style and covered a topic rather than just a specific person or a specific conversation. Tell me, give me some feedback. Is this the kind of thing you want to see more of? I'll give myself over to audience capture here if if you're happy to uh, steer me in a direction. I've kind of been thinking like maybe I could cover certain topics like, for instance, the Ukraine war and just kind of like survey the various opinions on the left and on the right just to see what everyone's saying about a particular topic. Um, that could be interesting. Let me know what you think. But anyway, this has been an episode on the right-wing conspiratorial buffoonery that we see among the usual kind of commentators, the the heavy hitters over on the right. And uh, yeah, it's it's contemptible, to be honest. Like some of this behavior, it's risible. But yeah, uh, Ben Shapiro, Dave Rubin i'll cover these guys again just because i love getting myself worked up and agitated um and they're just such easy pickings too their arguments are just so bad a lot of the time i mean like to be fair okay ben shapiro he's not silly he's not dumb i can't say the same about dave rubin um but ben shapiro like yes he's he's got a sharp mind sure But goodness me, is he addled by politics. And any time he gets the opportunity to sink his teeth into the left wing, like he's going to take it. And he's going to use whatever rhetorical tricks he can to do so. He's just a completely dishonest and unreliable commentator. So yeah, that's what I have to say about him for now. Until an episode in which I cover him specifically. All right, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hopefully it's been somewhat enjoyable, this little foray into the Russell Brand scandal. Hopefully you've gained some insights into some of the dynamics that occur on the right wing, particularly the conspiratorial right. Um, So yeah, until next time, I'll see you later.